it's nice to be here. When Roxana, the worship team, and when we hear stories of people giving generously, there's moments where I look around and think, I'm so pleased to be here in this room. I was away the last week. I went fishing. It was good fun. Uh, myself, with a number of other people who live here in the U.S., who are all English, rented a houseboat on Dow Hollow Reservoir on the Tennessee-Kentucky border, and we went fishing for a week. We drank tea. We talked about the Queen. We did all those things that you assume that English people do when we get together. We didn't just do that, although we did drink lots of tea. But it was great to be away, and it was one of those reminders that sometimes life is so busy, when you press pause and stop... Uh, sometimes it takes a few days for the stop actually to work because it's like the momentum of where you've been is still with you. And then there are these sweet moments when you reflect and listen and hopefully learn and then come back with some fresh insights. Sarah once said of me that she likes post-fishing Adam sometimes more because of these moments. Uh, and it's good for us to pause and to withdraw and to reflect and I say that as something of an introduction to what we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks. Not inactivity, but a sense of healthy reflection in terms of what are we doing and is it working and what do we need to give attention to. So let me tell you something of the the moments. There were times when we caught fish. Uh, I, I always want to catch a bigger one. There's something in me where it doesn't matter what I've caught. There's always, I wonder if there's a bigger one. And then there were these moments of silence and stillness. And I love nature. I I love worship and singing. But I often find God in these moments where there's a dawn or a dusk kind of nature moment. And I took a book with me that I've been reading in preparation for this series that I'm introducing to you today. And the book had some challenging questions. And some of them I'm going to include in this message and in the next few weeks for us to consider in the room and then respond to probably outside of the room. What do we do with this? And I had had these moments where some of the content that we're going to be looking at and unpacking, I can vouch personally and say, this is good. This is doing us good. The question is, how are we living? Are we living well? What is working? What do we need to give attention to? Sometimes I try and make moments happen and squeeze moments in that don't actually work. I'll give you an illustration. I had a 19-hour drive, which is the longest drive I've ever done. And when I say I've ever done, most of the time I was in the passenger seat. I drove, this was the drive from here to Tennessee. I drove between midnight and five. My friend drove the rest. So he took the lion's share and I took the worst shift, which felt kind of fair. Uh, the ultimate win was I flew back. Uh, so on Friday night late, I flew back from Atlanta. It was super hot, really hot. And I get on the plane. I think I'm going to continue this, this reading because it's really helping me. And it will help for the message I'm going to give on Sunday. So I've got this book that's about reflection and consideration and learning. Uh, I had the privilege, because I've flown fairly regularly with the same airline, that I can board early. So I got in early, and I got my seat, and I was comfortable. I got my book, and I begin to sit there and think, I'm just going to use this time well. And then a few things happened. Uh, a, am going to really choose my words well. 
uh, a gentleman came and sat next to me. I'm in the middle seat, and there's a seat here and a seat here. I'm in the cheap seats. There's not a lot of room. And this gentleman, like many of us, was quite hot because we're in Atlanta. And it was hot and sweaty. And this is why I need to be careful. He was a larger gentleman to such a point that the small chair um, was probably too small, and there was some overflow. And suddenly, lots of touching. And I don't mind the occasional hug, but lots of, lots of kind of touching sweatiness of someone. I, don't, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm kind of sitting here praying and reflecting. And, and then another guy comes and sits next to me. And because we're on a short flight and there's no food, this person who's, who's clever and who's thought this through brought some food from the expensive shop in the... Uh, terminal, and out he gets his egg salad with lots of hard-boiled eggs, opens it, and the aroma wafts through. At the same time, because the aroma's strong, the, the larger gentleman who's hot and sweaty on my left is too hot and sweaty, so he reaches over to reach the air-conditioned unit, his arm, which is above my head. So his arm's here. At this point, my face is in here. And it was one of those times I was like, okay, this just isn't, this is, just isn't the right time. I tell this story to say some of the things that we're going to look at, I want you to consider now. But some of them, like me in that seat at the time, this is probably not the time where you will fully work through, okay, what does this mean I need to do? I'll explain when we get to those moments, but it's important that you recognize that sometimes we drive in different gears. Does that make sense? So... Let me ask you this. If I asked the question, are you living your best life, how would you answer? Or are there times that you wish there were some things that were different? Or perhaps are there days when you feel like you're simply existing rather than truly living? If you are nodding, you are in good company. You may feel like you're alone. Everyone else is at the party and you're not. But let me say to you, you aren't alone. You are in good company. Sometimes when you have those moments where you feel so tired that you say, how am I going to just get through the day? Sometimes simply getting through the day is an achievement in itself. So on those moments when you feel like that, May I say to you, well done. But I do want to say this to you. There is hope. There is a better way. This series over the next six weeks, I'm calling Living Well. What does it mean to live well? Two passages I want to put on the screen briefly is the introduction. John 16, 33, I believe. We'll put this on the screen. Jesus did say this. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What I'm not doing is introducing this series as, if you believe this, do this, and give this, you will live a happy life for all your days. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Some things aren't going to work out as we hope that they would. It's not always easy. The promise of the Christian faith isn't a ticket that everything will always go well. Sometimes it doesn't. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. 
So our hope is in Jesus. Jesus also said this, John 10 verse 10. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and life to the full. Some people have miscommunicated the gospel that this life is lousy, but when you die, you go to heaven. Jesus said, I have come in the now and in the personal and in the present that you would have life and have it to the full. So what does it mean to have life to the full? What does it look like? Over the next six weeks, we're going to be exploring different elements of this with some intentional action steps in terms of what do we need to do, what do I need to do? Let me begin with some photos. I'm going to go through these quickly. The first photo, sometimes life can feel like this picture. On Friday in Atlanta, I drove down a seven-lane highway, traffic coming from all directions. Sometimes life feels like this. We're doing this and doing this and going here and going there, and we make wrong turns. And nowadays, we've got phones that helpfully get us back. There was a time where some of us remember driving with maps outrageously wide with a steering wheel on our knee. But sometimes life feels like this. I want to present the simplicity with some comedy of the next picture. Sometimes there are forks in the road. And then the next picture. And sometimes we don't know it at the time. But there are these small adjustments that completely adjust the trajectory of where we're going next. Often, the bold direction of change can be tracked back to a small split in the railway tracks that was tiny, but actually, like a highway, one road goes north and one road goes south. The final destination is completely different, but it can be taken back to this small shift. Let me give you some illustrations. When I met Sarah, my wife, she wasn't meant to be on a trip that was visiting England. She had desired to be on a trip that was visiting South America. And she wanted to go there. And at the point when the team, she was doing a year out, and the team that was going to, was it, was it Argentina? Peru. Uh, that team had all their paperwork and prep together. Sarah couldn't find her passport. She was devastated. She wanted to go on that trip. She didn't go on that trip, which means by default she went on the next trip and she ended up going to England. During that trip, my parents hosted that family that were visiting my parents' church, and we met, and we fell in love, and we'd been married for 19 years. We've got two beautiful children, and none of that would have happened, and the girls wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for this tiny split in the railway tracks that was we couldn't find a passport. In my late 20s, a pastor in a church I knew encouraged me uh, to study more. I had been to college and studied business studies and finance in my late teens, early 20s. And I was going through my 20s. I was involved in youth work. And, and it was good. It was fun. And when you're in your 20s, you assume that they're never going to end. And then there is this 29 that comes around. You think, wait a minute. Where's this going? And this person encouraged me to enroll in further academic study and 
uh, I felt the nudge of God, and it was Sato at the time. I enrolled with London School of Theology, and I studied theology for the next seven years. And that was a split in the road that changed the trajectory that led me in a different direction. I could have gone in various different directions. The reason I'm telling you these stories is you probably have these tiny fork-in-the-road moments where you made a slight adjustment at the time that shifted a lot. This is important because as we explore these next few weeks where we look at some of these subjects and encourage you to consider, are there there adjustments that you could make? Are there some systems that would benefit your life? I want to encourage you that often we think, oh, it's too big. It isn't. It's nearly always a small split in the railway tracks. So, with that in mind, let's jump in. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus said this. I'll read it on the screen. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is both beautiful but at times disappointingly contrasting from our lived experience. Are you living well? Sometimes life does not feel easy, burdens do not feel light, and it feels like everything's a challenge. And Jesus wants it to be different. This is where it begins. It begins with Jesus saying, come to me. Not do this, this, and this. This is not a manual that in itself will help you to have a better life. This is not a self-help book that you can buy at the airport. There was loads of those. This begins with Jesus saying, come to me. Sit in my presence. And then Jesus says this, learn from me. The rhythms, the practices, the habits, the trends, learn from me. It is the will of God that you would live well, not for the sake of prosperity, but for the sake of being fully alive in Christ. So, I want to introduce this as as an idea. For those of you that want to read and dig deeper, there's some fantastic resources that we're going to be introducing. Can you pass me that book? This is one of the books that I was reading. This is the book that I failed to read on the airplane on Friday night. This is a book called Crafting a Rule of Life. It says, An Invitation to the Well-Ordered Way. Now, I want to say straight away, when I read this, read this, or heard this introduced... There's something about the power of language that does things. The first word that does something to me is the word rule. Some of us are like, well, wait a minute. I don't like that. Often we've considered rules as in you can do this and you can't do this. Sometimes in the church, the church in itself has created additional rules. This is not new. In Jesus' day, 
the religious leaders of their day had created rules. You can do this, but you can't do this. You can walk this distance, but not this distance. Carry this number of objects, but not this number. The goal of this is not to burden you with additional rules. Let me introduce it differently. The word rule may sound binding, but the Latin, where the word rule comes from, means trellis, like this. Now, if you're a gardener, of which I am not, trellis helps bring shape and fruitfulness. You plant various things at the bottom, so I'm led to believe by those who like gardening more than I, and the idea is that it grows and it flourishes. And it does so because it has space to move and space to breathe. The plant isn't serving the trellis. The trellis is serving the plant. Does that make sense? So when Jesus says, learn from me, there are some rhythms, some practices, them, some habits that we see in Jesus that could be considered that they look like this. The way he prayed, the way he worshipped, the way he withdrew at times, to be with his father, the way he spoke of others, the way he taught on generosity, the way he welcomed those who others didn't welcome. There is something of the trellis that is the pattern, that is the framework, that is the system and structure that we can learn from Jesus. So when you hear the word rule, don't think rule, think trellis. Maybe that helps. A rule of life is a schedule or set practices and relational rhythms that help us create space in a busy world for us to be with Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what Jesus did to live life to the full in his kingdom and in alignment with our deepest desires. I want us to journey in this direction. My prayer and this morning, there was a time where I just glanced around the room and I prayed for you all. I think one song in, I walked around the outside. My prayer is that you live well. I want you to flourish in life. I want you to be enriched. And centering it around Jesus and the biblical teachings of wisdom will help you. That's my prayer. Let's look at this passage on the screen, and I want us to pray this together. This is Psalm 16, verse 11. And let's pray this together. Why don't we all stand up? I'm gonna get, we're going to move around a little bit more with this series. This is a psalm that's, that's written explaining God, but it also can be read as a prayer. So... This is Psalm 16, verse 11. And at the beginning on this first week of this six-week mini-series, I want us to pray this personally, but together. So let's do this now. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Let's just stay here. By the way, this is not the end. This is the halfway point. Father, I pray that you would make known to us the path, the trellis, the shape that leads to life. Lord, I pray that this would always be based in your presence and not in our behavior. And Lord, that we would know you and live well because of that. 
Amen. Take a seat. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, reads interestingly in the message translation. I'm going to read that to you. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's pretty good, isn't it? So, where does this begin? When I went away about halfway through the trip, somehow I found internet coverage on a 27,000-acre lake in the middle of nowhere. Internet coverage is rare. I managed to get some hint of phone coverage, and I called Sarah, and Sarah asked a great question. She said, what's God saying to you? I said, oh, good question. She said, why don't you ask him to speak, and why don't you sit and say, God, I want to listen. What do you want to say? first half of the week, I was really busy. I'd been up for 24 hours. I was exhausted. I'm on a houseboat in a state that's very different to what I know, with people all speaking English. And I'm thinking, where am I? It was wisdom to say, why don't you sit and listen? Hearing from God begins with listening. Sometimes we hear stories of people hearing from God, and we hear other stories where people say, I never hear from God. It begins with listening. The Romans passage talks about being overwhelmed and becoming like the culture around us. The culture around us at the moment, the skill, the integrity, and the gift that is listening is at an all-time low We don't listen very well. We just wait to talk. If the other person sees the world differently to us, we label them, we brand them, and we say things about them and we close our ears to hear them, even though actually what they say may be valid and we may benefit from hearing it. But we become so poor at listening that we miss it. Wisdom begins with listening. So, God, what are you saying to me? Over the next few weeks, as we look at different elements of character and what we're doing and rhythms and things that help us, it begins with listening. It begins with saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Those of you that may have read the Old Testament know it. I'm quoting this person, Samuel who isn't very good at hearing from God, and God's trying to speak to him and get his attention. And if you asked him, hey, do you hear from God? He might say, no, I don't often hear from God. But an older person called Eli said, 
This is the beginning to hearing from God. Sit down quietly and say, speak, Lord, for I am listening. If you're someone who sometimes struggles to hear from God, you are in good company. Moses, this epic leader in the Old Testament, began by not hearing, understanding, or being convinced in the thing that God was saying to him. Could be considered he wasn't listening. The Apostle Paul didn't get it. He was going in a different direction with his own enthusiasm, and God needed to stop him in his very tracks to get his attention because he wanted him to listen. The disciples, they come and go with their enthusiasm and understanding, and often it's because they're not listening. So may we learn from the wisdom of Eli, and may we walk with the application of Samuel and say, Speak, Lord, I, I need to listen. So this is where I want us to begin today. I want to begin by asking you to consider relationships. We were made to be in relationship. I said I looked around the room and I see a mixture of people and ages and different backgrounds. And we were made to be in relationship. In the Bible, when the first man was made, he didn't have it all. He needed, needed relationship. We were made to be in relationship with God, and we were made to be in relationship with each other. And in all of our lives, we have relationships. I want to ask you to consider what they are like and how they are doing. And this is going to get practical. Underneath all of your seats is a piece of paper and a pen. Please reach for the piece of paper. And if you're watching in the overflow room, there should be some pieces of paper and pens there. If you're watching with us online and you don't have a piece of paper or pen to hand, go and grab it or reach for your phone. Dodge the social media apps. Keep scrolling to that notes app. And I'm going to ask you to consider relationships. I want to approach these from a personal aspect that recognize we all have uniquely different relationships and roles. I want you to consider their importance and their current health. And then when you go home, I want you to pray, God, is there something that you're saying to me? For some, it may be, this needs to end. For others, it may be, this needs to improve. Let me give you an example. What we're doing here is considering priorities. I know people that would say that their marriage is a very important relationship with them, to them. But they're never at home. They're always in the office. They're always somewhere else. The lived experience is not aligning up with what they're saying they value. And sometimes they don't know it. They say one thing, but they do another thing. Sometimes it's good to pause and to reflect and to listen. I want to begin this series by saying, let's consider our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with our friends, our relationship if you're married with the person you're married to, our relationship with our children. And I want us to pray, God, what are you saying to us about this? This is part of the framework we are relational beings. This is how we're made. So the first question, and if you've got your cards, your piece of paper, 
your pen or your app. And the first two we're going to do in the room, and the, sec- and the third one you're going to do somewhere else. This is a snippet of an exercise. List your key relationships. So for me, the example would be follower of Jesus. I hope that's on your card. If it isn't, we'll do something about that before the morning ends. For me, it's husband, it's father, it's son, it's friend. I'm an employer. I've got a team of staff to oversee, and I'm a student. I'm I'm always learning. I want to continue to learn. I don't want to cease learning. For you, you may have more. You may have less. List your key relationship roles. And then the second one, score them. How are they doing? One is, yeah, it's not going too well. Be real, be honest. I believe that Jesus wants to help us. I believe that Jesus wants to help us to live good relationships, healthy relationships. And Jesus said, learn from me. Jesus was Incredibly relational. It's the heart of the Father that we would be the same. Five would be fantastic. So good. Be honest. This is not something you're going to hand in. No one else is going to see. This is where we're getting personal. And then the last one, and I want you to write this down, but, but probably not consider this now. What is God saying to you about these relationships? And I want to encourage you to pray and to ponder and perhaps more importantly than anything I've said all morning, listen. What is God saying? I want to encourage you, perhaps later today or some point over this week, to get this card out, probably in a quiet place, and to consider. Jesus said to his disciples after he had taught them something, because it's quite easy to hear some teaching, Jesus said this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Going back to the illustration of the fork in the road, we have to participate in the direction of travel. We cannot pray that God would take us somewhere if we're not prepared to walk in the direction that God is taking us. There is some application for you. I want to encourage you to pray and to ponder this. Because one aspect of living well is that we would live well relationally in church, with each other, in our families, in our workplaces. It may be that God speaks to you and says, it's time for a change. 
leave that job. Let's go in a different direction. Maybe this is a fork in the road moment. It may be that God challenges you that the vows that you made on that wedding day, you need to go back to. You need to invest more in living well. To end where it begins, Jesus is described at the beginning of John's gospel as the word, the word which is the word of God, the mouthpiece of God, the word that spoke life into, be, into being, and it's Jesus. All of this living well, while we have to participate and give some action and obedience in the steps in considering what framework needs to be in place, it isn't about the framework. It's about being rooted in Jesus. I want to end with this and then lead into a time of communion. Listen to the words at the very end. John 1, the very first words of all of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Listen to this. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. May the life that was in Jesus be in us. May the experience of that light that changes the situations and settings and darkness around us be allowed to permeate all of our lives and adjust areas as required. Because in him was life. So, Father, as we consider a framework or steps or structures for life, Lord, we recognize that in you was life and in you is life. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's pray. If for you at the moment, the relationship with the Father, if it's not good or if it hasn't begun yet, the simple beginning is by saying, Jesus, I recognize that I've messed up frequently. Thankfully, most of it no one knows of hell. Lord, please forgive me. Please wash me, cleanse me, and please can I begin well. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness made available by the cross of Jesus. Help me to know you. Fill me completely and change me. Just while you've got your eyes closed, if, if you're praying that prayer that is both simple but yet profound, and maybe you're praying it for the first time, or maybe you're praying it as a reset, begin again. Just put your hand in the air. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for people that are saying, Jesus, I want to begin again. Jesus, I want to begin. I want to know you because we read that in you was life. Lord, bless those people that are beginning again.
it's an appropriate place for all of us to begin. Looks like the cross on my left. I'm going to hand out some communion cups to all of you. If you're joining us online, if you've got some juice or some red wine or something and some bread or crackers, why don't you, why don't you grab them now? Just while they're handing them out, I'll repeat something because it needs to be repeated. This is not a self-help series. This is a series where we come to Jesus because he invited us to come to him. Because at times we're weary and we're heavy burdened. And we recognize that because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has achieved through the cross, we can come to him as we are, but yet not stay as we are. And in your hand is a wafer that represents the body, the flesh of Jesus that was torn and broken. And the juice or the wine, whatever you're using, represents the blood that was shed. And it was a sacrifice. It was a price. It was a penalty being paid generously for you and for me. So we begin here by coming to Jesus, by receiving the gift that he made available. And then by listening to him, aware that he said, learn from me. And you will be blessed if you do the things that I've been doing. And we say, Father, help us to get our lives in order. In the order that you set for us.